Amen. It's good to see you guys. Um, hope you're doing well. I know that we've uh, we've got some that are out today and they're joining us online, and so um, we are glad that they're able to do that and still still be part of what's going on by by joining us online. Um, we are going to continue in our series called Jesus Greatest Hits. Uh, we started talking about, um, basically, it's, it's the Sermon on the Mount. It's Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And um, this is, Jesus has called disciples together, and um, scholars believe that this wasn't just one sitting, but that this is uh, kind of his highlight reel, so to speak, that these were things, high points that he talked about and so as Matthew's compiled them in his gospel, uh, this is kind of how he, he has put them together. And I want us to continue on today. Now, before we do that, how many of you guys have a playlist? You have a play? All right, how many of you know what a playlist is? Okay, all right. How many of you remember, like, mixtapes? Burn CD. Okay, there you are. Some of you know. All right, so it's like playlist. You haven't made the crossover yet to 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 the playlist, but um, if you have a playlist, I have some playlists uh, on my phone. I have a playlist for uh, working working out. I have a playlist uh, that you know just kind of gets me pumped up. You know, when I'm on the treadmill, helps me run. It helps me uh, just to keep my my brain focused. I have a driving playlist. Um, which I, I, I told earlier that that driving playlist is dangerous because I drive faster when I, I play that th those songs, right? Anybody, do you have a driving playlist? Or maybe there's just certain songs that you listen to, you drive faster. I mean, some of y'all just like, I don't need any song to drive faster. I just drive fast anyways, right? You know, I, and, and there's certain certain songs that, that just kind of get, I get into and I, 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 you know, it just makes me get into it these playlists um does anybody have a stress pr playlist you when, when maybe you play it when you know you're you're kind of stressed out or there are things that are on your mind or you know you just you just go to a certain playlist certain songs that you go to uh, this morning i, I want to kind of talk to you about that uh, and kind of entitled today the soundtrack for stress because jesus <clears throat> He, he talked about this. He talked about uh, anxiety and worry, and so that's kind of where, where we're going today. Now, before we go there, <clears throat> there is a song that I want to uh, kind of clue you in on. Maybe it would be if you had a stress playlist. It might would be on your stress playlist. I don't know, uh, but, but maybe you know this song. It was put out in 1988. In 1988, uh, it, uh, it hit the airwaves, and it became a number one hit. Uh, actually, it has been listed on the 100 uh, greatest hits of the 80s. It comes in at number 31. And so this song, I'm going to play this song for you. Do you know it? Yeah. Be happy, right? Do, 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 do. Okay, you know the song, right? Okay, so... So don't worry, be happy. It became a number one hit. It, it, was, it was a big song. Um, and if you had a playlist, a stress playlist, maybe it would be on that stress playlist. Maybe uh, if you're trying to get into a different headspace, uh, maybe the song Happy 
you know, by, uh, what's his name, Pharrell. Uh, yeah, it, it would be on your playlist. Uh, or maybe it would be the one um, that Disney put out a few years ago, and it would be Hakuna Matata, right? Uh, what a wonderful phrase. Hakuna Matata. Ain't no passing craze. It means no worries for the rest of your days. It's our problem-free philosophy. You guys sound so good today, man. Give yourself a hand and a star for sounding good. Yeah. All right, this, this side believes they sound good. Everybody else is like, it wasn't that great. Wasn't that great. So, so yeah, it, this might be on your playlist. This, these may be songs that you listen to. Um, and try to deal with stress, try to deal with anxiety, try to deal with worry, because it's a problem, right? Anxiety is a problem. It is a problem for our country. It is a problem for, uh, for people not only today, but it was a problem for people back in Jesus' day. Uh, let me give you a few, few stats here. Uh, anxiety is the number one health-related issue for women. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize, but how many of you women, you, you say, yeah, I agree, <laughs> I agree, right? Uh, so you say, I absolutely believe that, uh, that anxiety is the number one health-related pro- issue for women. Um, it's number two for men, right behind drugs and alcohol. And so anxiety is a huge problem uh, for uh, people in our country. Um, before COVID hit, more than 40 million people would deal with anxiety so severe that it would disrupt their relationships it would disrupt uh, their workplace, and it would disrupt their personal, um, their, their personal peace. And, and so when you start looking at the cost of anxiety, it is, it is super high. Actually, the literal cost of anxiety is almost $50 billion a year is what we spend on treating anxiety and related symptoms to anxiety. And so these are, these are things that we know. Our cabinets are full of stuff that, that we're trying to deal with, uh, trying to chill out and, and, and get some peace. This was one that, that kind of um, that hit me. 70% of teens say the number one issue they face is anxiety, whether that be anxiety for school, anxiety for home, anxiety for relationships, anxiety for trying to figure out who they're becoming. All this stuff um, is, is 70%, so that's the number one problem that they face is anxiety. And, and so what did Jesus say about it? Jesus addressed this. When we look at the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus had a lot to say about anxiety. And so I want us to go to um, Matthew chapter 6. If you got your Bible, we're going to Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 25. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 25. And this is what it says. It says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet the Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more, more value than they are? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? I love that, right? We get that when somebody asks us that question and it says, what good do you get out of worry, right? Did it add anything to you? No, right? I mean, when we, when we really look at it, we can see all worry did was take away. All worry did was stress us out. All worry did was really 
it, it, didn't, it didn't help tomorrow. It only took away the peace that we had today. And so worry has a way of really taking from us. And that's what Jesus is getting at. He said, hey, which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not so much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, and what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after such things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Isn't that great to know this, that God knows what we need? That God understands what every one of us needs. I, I think sometimes we say that and, and, and we speak that, but we don't really get it in ourselves. But to really get that in our, our brain to realize, God, you know what I need and you know when I need it and you know uh, where I need it. And so, God, you know all these things. And he says, your Heavenly Father knows that you need them all, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious. There's that word again about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself right sufficient for the day is its own trouble and you know when we when we begin to look at Jesus audience Jesus audience they had troubles now maybe they don't have the troubles that we had today you know maybe they don't have to worry um, you know about cars breaking down they don't have to you know, worry about, you know, their their phones going on the blink. I know we, it's like, what, we, what do we say, first world problems? You know, we have first world problems, those things. The Internet is slow, right? I, I was one of the first, my kids, it's like, as soon as the Internet goes out, Dad, I know what that, that because everything else I yell for Mom, but Mom's not fixing the Internet. 95% of the time, Dad's not fixing the Internet. But they're yelling my name, Dad, the Internet's out. I'm like, yeah, it sure is. What you want me to do about that? You know, my middle name is not Comcast, okay? And so we just we just uh, take things as, as they come, you know, whatever those problems and issues are. And we get stressed out. And I, I think a lot of times um, we think, you know, maybe maybe everybody else is not as stressed as us or, or everybody else has got life better. But we all are walking in our own, you know, levels and stages of anxiety. And, and worry. And Jesus, he begins to address people. And these people that he addresses, now think about who he's talking to. Jesus is talking to a group of people who they can't pop down to Publix and go buy a loaf of bread, right? They, they can't go in there and grab a can of Pringles and, and get a Diet Coke, right? They, they have to uh, produce everything that they're going to eat. They have to make everything that they're going to eat. They have to gather everything that they're going to eat. And so to think about his audience and to think about the pressures and stresses that they had in life. They were ruled by the Romans. They had this oppressive government that, that would come in and tax them. And so whatever they gathered, then the Romans would come in and say, listen, I know you've gathered all this wheat, but we're going to take this much wheat from you because it now belongs to Caesar. Uh, and so they had all these other pressures. And so Jesus, he understands that. He understands what their struggles are and what their fears are and what their anxieties are. See, this word worry that uh, we see here, why do you worry? Therefore, do, do not worry. Do not be anxious. 
this word worry uh, is translated from a Greek word, marioneo, and, and that is uh, really it means to be pulled to pieces. That's what this word means. Anybody think that is a, that is a, a great picture of worry is and, and, and anxiety is that it pulls at you. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like I'm just being pulled in so many directions, in so many sides, and by so many people, and I can't keep up with it all? I, I have so many responsibilities. I can't keep up with everything that everybody wants me to do. And so worry, this, this, this term that gets translated anxious, is marioneo. It is this Greek word that means to be pulled to pieces, and this is what Jesus uses. And Jesus begins to talk about anxiety. He begins to talk about this. And, he, and something you need to understand is this, is that I think anxiety is a little bit different than fear. Um, they, 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 they work together, but fear is something that uh, fear sees a threat and reacts, right? Fear sees a threat and reacts. So if, I, if I'm walking down a trail in the woods, and I've done this before where I've been walking down a trail in the woods, and I see a snake, right? I see a snake. What am I going to do? I'm going to turn around and go the other way, right? I'm going to let him have that trail. Unless I've got like a machete or something, then the trail's mine, right? You know, but I'm going to react in some way. Uh, fear sees something, a threat, and it reacts. But this is how anxiety works. Anxiety imagines a threat and gets stuck, right? It doesn't even have to be a real threat yet. It just has to be an imagined threat a possible threat, something that, that I'm not there, but it might happen. This is the what-ifs in life. What if this happens? What if I get this bad report? What if I lose my job? What if I get sick? And what if is the language of anxiety? That's what what-ifs are. What-ifs are the language of anxiety where we, what if, what if, what if, and we get ourselves all spun up. And you've been there. I've been there. What if this happens? We're trying to figure out how do we deal with our stresses, how do, we, how do we deal with our anxieties. And this is a little bit of the difference between what fear is and what anxiety is because anxiety imagines the threat and gets stuck in this place. And it's almost like it's, it, you get paralyzed. Uh, somebody called it this. They called it analysis paralysis. Right? Have you ever heard that analysis paralysis where you begin to analyze everything that's going on and then you feel like you just can't do anything? You're stuck. You're stuck in this place. See, we feel uh, deeply and we experience anxiety, and anxiety sometimes feels like you're stuck in a pit with no exit. Right? It feels like, hey, I am in, I am in a hole. I am in a pit, and I don't know how to get out of here. But really... Anxiety is not a pit. Anxiety is not a pit with no exit. Anxiety is more like a tunnel that you have to walk through. That's what anxiety is. It's not a pit without an exit. It is a tunnel that you have to walk through. When I was in college, um, I lived in a dormitory, and it had about 100 to 150 guys that lived in this dorm with me. And um, they took my, my dorm, they took us on a trip to uh, a place in Tennessee called the Lost Sea. Anybody ever, ever heard of the Lost Sea? The Lost Sea, yeah, yeah, some of my Tennessee folks know. Uh, the Lost Sea is an underground lake, and so you, you go down into these caves, and it's like you just you walk down. It feels like you're just walking forever down these steps, 
And as I'm walking down the steps, I'm thinking, I got to walk back up these steps at some point, you know. And I, I get down to the bottom, and there's this cavern. It's huge. This cavern opens up. It's probably twice as big as this room that we're in. And so it's, it's, it's this massive cavern. And we're there. We get our stuff unloaded. We're going to spend the night in this cave. So we're unloading our stuff, and we have this guide with us. Uh, and this guide is there to take 150 uh, college uh, men. And I, like I said, I, I use men uh, loosely because uh, we were all at different stages of maturity levels. Um, and so he's there to take us on this tour of all these different caverns we're going to find. And so he's taking us through these caves, and we're just getting muddy and dirty. There's one place where we have to go back and slap the wall. And to slap the wall, you have to kind of get through mud up to your to your thighs, and you get to the end of it, you just slap the wall, and you turn around and come back. I'm like, I ain't doing that. That's dumb. So, you know, I let somebody else do that. And actually, the, the group that I'd have gone with, they got stuck down there for about an hour and a half. So I'm like, see, that's, that's why I don't go down that stuff. And I don't, don't do that. So, so we're down there in this cave, and there's this one part that the guide is going to take us through. And it is pitch black in this cave. So they have these, these work lights in the main cavern. And they turn these lights on, and you can see and everything. But he says, I want to show you what it's like when we turn the lights off and how dark it is. So he shut the lights off. And, man, I'm standing there, and it's just pitch black. I mean, it is the darkest dark that I have been, ever been in. And I take my hand, and I put it in front of my face. And I know my hand is there because I can feel my breath on my hand, but I can't see it. But I know that it's there. And and so it's this pitch black place, and not everybody brought flashlights. Some of us, you know, we were like, hey, we're going to spend a night in a cave. We didn't even know what that meant, right? We didn't think, you probably need to bring a flashlight for this. So we, there's like every third person has a flashlight. And they begin to take us down into this cave. And we had some guys that were with us, uh, some West Coast guys. Anybody from the West Coast? You know, no West Coast people in here. Thank God. Okay, no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, these West Coast guys, they, they, uh, they were with us, and um, they thought that they were going to be funny guys, and they were going to set off a smoke bomb uh, when we climbed down into this cave, and we're at a single-file line now. I can't, we can't see, uh, and I'm holding on to the person in front of me, and we're just kind of walking, you know, and it's like uh, the only person who has a flashlight is like two people ahead of me, so I'm just trying to follow that little light in front of me. And these guys set off this smoke bomb. Now, you're in a cave. Where does the smoke go? Nowhere. It's like right there because this is a closed-in spot. And, and all these people, there's, there's 150 of us, and we begin to panic, you know, and, and we begin to move faster through, through this cave. And not only is it difficult to see, but now the smoke begins to cloud the cave, and the light begins to get dimmer and dimmer. And I am freaking out because I'm thinking I'm going to lose this person in front of me and I'm going to walk off into a place and nobody's going to find me, right? Uh, that's just going to be the end of Ryan and he's going to be in a hole somewhere, you know, and, and somebody will find him 20 years later, just the bones. And, and we get out of this cave and everybody's choking and trying to breathe. And, uh, man, we, we just we wanted to beat the snot out of those guys so bad. Um, and I begin to think, you know what, that's, that's a lot like anxiety. You're in this dark place, and you feel like you can't get out, and everything is closing in around you. 
And, and I said, you know, that's, that's really what it seems like. But the great thing about it was that I'm so glad that when I was in that cave that somebody ahead of me had a light. And they made sure that they didn't let go of the person behind them. They made sure that they didn't lose the person who was following them. Let me tell you this about your father. You may feel like you're in this pit. You're not in a pit. You're in a tunnel. And he's with you. He is there with you. And he's not going to leave you. He said he'd never leave you. He would never forsake you. And he has the light that you need to get out of that tunnel. He has what you need to get out of the spot that you're in. But you've got to follow him and you've got to trust him. And it seems like maybe sometimes everything is closing in. And see, that's, that's what, when, when we're anxious and, and we're worrying about all this stuff. See, there's a lot of things that we can try to fill our life with to fix our anxieties and to fix our worry. But see, possessions and pills and property will never fix us. They will never fix our anxiety. The only thing that will fix this is a person. See, peace isn't found in products or possessions. Peace is a person. Peace is the person of Jesus. That's where we find peace. That's where we find our source. That's where we find our deliverance. And so with Jesus being that light that is guiding us out of this dark place, being that light that is guiding us out of this tunnel, it's what Jesus invites us to. He says, your Father knows what you need. Your Father knows you so well. And he says, this, this is a relationship. This is not about having the right stuff and the right tools and, and you know, just, you know, wow, you know, if, if you just get the right thing, maybe that'll fix it. We know that won't work, right? How many of you have ever done retail therapy? Uh, come on, some of y'all know. Yeah, it was like, I know what that is, right? It's when you just, man, I, I, just, I just need to, uh, uh, there was a girl that I knew in school, and she just would go take me days. And a me day was really meant that she was going to go blow a lot of money on herself and do anything that she wanted to do. And I thought, oh, my gosh, that's really selfish, right? <laughs> but she loved me days, and right? We love me. And, and, and so we think that if we do this, we take all this stuff and we pour it in, that it's really going to fix us, and it never does. Because it only lasts for so long. The drugs only last for so long. The, the high of buying the product and having that thing, and that, man, this is great, the new toy, it only lasts for so long. Then after a while, the shine wears off. And you're still left with the same issues. Actually, you may be left with more issues. You may be left with bigger problems now and bigger anxieties because you're like, now I've got to pay for this. And so Jesus is saying it's not found, peace is not found in products or possessions. Peace is found in the person, and it's found in the person of your Father. It's found in me. Um, Isaiah 26.3. I'm going to ask somebody to come play. Isaiah 26.3. I love this, this passage. And it says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. See, in the Hebrew language, they, they don't really have adjectives that make things bigger. So I can say, hey, you're a great person or you're, um, you're, the, you're the best basketball player. Or they don't really have that. And so for, to take a word and to amplify it, what they do is they would say it twice. And so in the original language, the way this scripture reads, it says, you keep him in shalom, shalom. Shalom is the Hebrew word for peace. And 
The idea of shalom is not the absence of trouble. The idea of shalom is not the absence of difficulties. It's not the absence of stress. But it is being able to have peace and confidence in your Father in the middle of all of it. And so when he says, you keep him in shalom, shalom. You keep him in perfect peace. You keep him in shalom. This idea that I am faced maybe with so many struggles and there are so many things that are pulling at me. God, you're bigger. Because it goes on, it says, whose mind is what? It stayed. This word stayed is the Hebrew word semek. And it is really the name of a letter in Hebrew. And the way this letter looks, it looks like an O with a hat on it or like a lid. And and I, the thing I love about Hebrew language is it's, it's like pictures. And so each character is supposed to help you think of something when you see it. And so this character of Semek is supposed to look like an egg almost. And if you think about that, it's, it's this idea of being able to climb inside the shell and to be protected. To be protected. And so when it says that you keep him in shalom, shalom, because his mind is protected. Anybody you need some protection? Anybody you need some protection? Because you're just getting the onslaught of the enemy's lies. You're getting the onslaught of the enemy trying to drag you down. You're getting the onslaught of the enemy trying to beat you up, and he takes a toll on you. And his goal is to, to rip you to pieces. He calls you to worry. But your father knows this. And he says, keep him in perfect peace, in perfect shalom, in shalom, shalom, because his mind is stayed, is protected on you because you he trusts you he trusts you see peace is not about possessions it's not about things peace is about a person and that is the person of Jesus and this morning Jesus walks with you whether you're on the mountaintop this morning and you're like everything is great Jesus is with you and he's like yeah high five buddy that's awesome or whether you're under the mountain you're in the deepest darkest cave and you can't figure out how to get out. Jesus is with you. He knows. He knows your anxious heart. He knows your worry. And he says, look at me. You may not know exactly how this works, but I do. Trust me. So this morning, they're going to come and they're going to sing this song. You'll know it. I want you to sing it along. We'll come back and pray for you here in just a second.